Welcome to Sparks and Recreation, your source for info on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms. Part of the Realms Rising Network. Hey, 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 heroes of the realms. Welcome back to Sparks and Recreation, the much-anticipated second episode. Here we are. As usual, I am here today as your co-host. My name is Matthew Jigmalinkba-Rooks, joined by my friend, Tim Agency 13 McKenzie. Hello, everybody. The man, the myth, the legend. Also, we have a very special guest today joining us, the godfather of Realms Rising. And Roser, Adam Charbonneau. How are you doing today, my friend? I am doing all right. Thanks for having me here, you guys. This is awesome. <laughs> the pleasure is all ours, my friend. All ours. All right. And without further ado, let's jump into our first segment, What Would You Do? What would you say you do here? This is a recurring segment each week where we take a look at a decision point that's happening in a game. And we talk about the different possibilities or selections of what you would do in this situation. This week, we have a really interesting ranger mirror match set up. And just to paint the picture, it's very early game. It's turn two. And your ranger has five gold to spend right now. You also have your fire flash arrow, your flash fire arrow, I'm sorry, that has not been used yet. So you have one more draw. In the market row, we have Lys, Rally the Troops, Dark Energy, Wolf Form, and Kristoff. Just one more time. Lis, Rally, Dark Energy, Wolf Form, and Kristoff. All right, so we can buy everything on this board right now. Our opponent, who went before us in turn one, has bought an influence. That's all they have. But they're getting ready to get their own big purchases as well. So we're in a ranger match here. Typically, we like draw. Sometimes we could look at um, healing. Also, of course, always high damage. Before uh, I give my thoughts on what to do in this situation, let's go to our special guest, Adam. What would you do in this situation? <laughs> it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's a bit of a toss-up here, and I don't play a lot of Ranger as my first caveat, right? So take my opinions here with a, uh, with a grain of salt. But for me... I'm thinking, given that I'm a ranger and I can be draw heavy, if I pick up that rally the troops right now, I can expect to see the value of that drop maybe four to six times in the upcoming game, which is going to be uh, a good deal of life. And given that my other options were uh, were some champions, I remember Liss and Kristoff both being there. I feel like rally the troops is a good hard counter because even if my opponent decides to pick that up afterwards... I can still get rid of it. So, you know, the life gain is definitely uh, appealing to me, but the fact that 
uh, that damage also counters the other picks. It's kind of puts it at the top of my list. I feel like it's uh, it's rally the troops and then uh, and then activate that draw. But, uh, you know, what, what do you guys think? <laughs> so I want to interject really quick. Uh, your Horn of Calling was played. So mm. that's why you can afford lists here mm-hmm. uh, as well. But uh, and you haven't used tracked. You have your uh, sure not sure shot. Your uh, uh, snapshot. I think that one is your once per game ability. Snapshot. That's it. Yes, you have that as well. So there's a lot of options here, and everything in that market row looks mm-hmm. awesome. Sure does. Um. So Adam said he would he would go with rally the troops. I don't think that's a bad decision. Um, what I think I would go with, I think I'd have to go with wolf form. And what's the reasoning just for the discard? Of course, in high damage. It, it's the most damage makes them discard. And then you still get a trash it for another okay. discard. Like that's the, the other thing that looks really tempting is less. Mm-hmm. Because if you can get a little bit of a scrap advantage over another ranger, you're both going to be cycling fast. Um, that would be helpful. That's kind of the top two for me would be those two. But I don't think there's really a bad pick in that row. No, I don't think so either. It's a tasty row, isn't it? Um, now, what I think I actually, this is from a game of mine that I, that I had. And what I actually did here. Now, we still have a draw left. What I actually did was track first. Now you might think, well, why are you going to track and lose your, your gold when you have all this good stuff to buy? And the reason is I just want to cycle. Whatever I'm going to buy this turn, I'm going to be able to get to quicker if I cycle first. And I'll almost assure, I'll definitely be able to get at least uh, two gold out of it. Or hopefully uh, one to two gold. Which would allow me to buy the dark energy or the rally, which are the two things that I would value the highest here. Uh, so first I would um, track. Then, uh, depending on what you pull, I mean, you discard anything that isn't going to give you gold or just rearrange it so it's set up for next turn. And um, I think here I actually went with the dark energy. And the reason I did was to avoid my opponent from getting it. They already had influence. And they can start lining up the draw on that dark energy pretty easily with Ranger. Plus, it's just seven damage. It's super nasty to get. It's always good to keep it out of your opponent's hand, and it, of course, it'll help you. Um, Adam's uh, evaluation of Rally is also spot on, though. I mean, anytime you can get early healing and cycle it as quickly as you can with the Ranger, it's, it can make a huge difference. So. That card is so good. As you can see, we had three, and Tim's response for the wolf form. I mean, you can never really go wrong with wolf form. It's a freaking nasty card. So we have three different lines of thinking here. None of them are wrong, I think. Uh, but it's all about what you choose and then how you try to uh, develop your deck um, subsequently after that. So. All right, cool. Well, that was another round of what would you do? And remember, you can see these, uh, the si- snapshot of the situation we're talking about now on Discord. We'll, we will post the pictures of it so it's a little easier to follow along. And for future episodes, we're actually going to do this ahead of time so we can get some of your feedback and ideas and use that as part of the discussion for the segment.
All right, so hope you enjoy it and continue to check it out in the future. And welcome to our main topic tonight. We have our special guest, as we like to call him, the Godfather Anvroser. <laughs> um, and we're just going to talk with, with Adam here and uh, get his thoughts on a number of things. Uh, kind of go over some history, hear about him a little bit, and see what's coming up in the future. So, Adam. Realms Rising, you started it. What kind of not only led you to do it, but kind of outline the process or give us a little bit of details about that, all of that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Realms Rising has certainly grown uh, in a way that I couldn't even really anticipate. And it's, uh, it's great to see where, where it's going. But I guess, you know, where did it come from, right? Uh, so I've been involved in the Realms games for, for quite a while. Uh, I recall playing Star Realms really early on, not understanding it whatsoever, and then getting completely hooked and trying to figure it out. Uh, I started playing uh, pretty consistently for about a year, uh, went to one of my first in-person tournaments, did decently well, uh, placing fifth and sixth in, uh, in two of those tournaments. And then I started to really think like, hey, like maybe I have a chance at actually being really good at this game, like maybe I can win. Uh, and then I just started consuming Star Realms content like crazy. I started listening to the Mega Holland podcast, started reading every article, started just scrimming against uh, different opponents and was just essentially grinding the ladder uh, pretty hard. Uh, came back to a tournament a year later and uh, I won the Legend Series uh, that weekend and then went on the following day and, uh, and placed uh, first in... Uh, one of the the non legends tournaments, one of the the ones that was done in digital, and uh, that was pretty amazing. I was literally flabbergasted. I remember <laughs> calling my wife. We had just had our uh, our daughter. She must have been four months old at the time, right? And uh, she's home, like uh, she's home with my daughter. And I called her, and I was like, Crystal. I was like, I won. I was like, I did it. <laughs> I was like, I've been gaming just going so hard, and uh, went up against a pretty stacked table, and it was like, man, this is awesome, and. Uh, I just stayed in after that. Once uh, once I took the Legends title, it was kind of like reaching uh, whatever the level cap was. And wow, earlier it was like 60 or something. It's like, oh, the game starts now, right? <laughs> it's like, now that I've hit the peak, it's like, now we really got to start playing. And uh, I started scrimming with really high level opponents because uh, for whatever reason, I was actually kind of shy uh, about like reaching out to people and asking for help and, and doing things at that point in time. But then, you know, I had my Legends title. I'm like, you know, the biggest nerd on the block. That's how I was feeling, right? And I was like, hey, like, can can we work together? You know, can we scrim? And then, uh, you know, to to my surprise, almost everyone that I reached out to at that point was just like, yeah, like, let's do it. And started getting some really high level coaching. Uh, and that was, uh, that was a great experience. Um, and then after a while, I just kind of started to fade away from the game. Like, you know, I was still playing like here and there or whatever, but I wasn't grinding as hard. Uh, and then when I heard Hero Realms was coming out, it it was just on. I was like, ooh, same game engine, different game. Like, let's uh, <laughs> let's get going. And uh, I had reached out. I was able to get uh, 
uh, alpha access right towards the end of it. I wasn't, I didn't catch the, the train until right towards the end of alpha and the right about, I want to say 30 minutes into playing, I was like, Oh, I got to stream this. Right. And so the first thing I did to get my stream ready, uh, was I bought a microphone and then the microphone came in and I was like, Hey, there's no podcast about this game. I was like, how am I going to get better at this one? And I was like, well, I'm not waiting for someone else to do it. I guess I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so lo and behold, uh, it was maybe, I want to say like a three day process where I just kind of got into my creative mode, started thinking through everything, thinking about intros, thinking about music, what's this going to sound like, reached out to, uh, you know, the mystic and, um, and then, uh, asked him for some feedback on what he'd do and just started booking guests, man. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a ride since, uh, since then. Definitely. What an adventure. And just to rewind a little bit, you went through so much interest, interesting stuff there, Adam. First, the call to your wife to tell her to break the news. You had one. Did her level of enthusiasm reach the same stratosphere as you at, at that moment? <laughs> I think, you know, with a, with a newborn, with a, with a four-month-old at home, I think her level of tiredness probably outweighed uh, the potential enthusiasm. But she was just like what do you mean you won? Like she didn't like get, it. I was like, no, no, like I won the big tournament. I was like, I'm, <laughs> I did it. Like I'm, I'm in the legends group, you know? And, uh, she was like, wow, that's like, you know, that's crazy. But, uh, it was such a, a blurry time cause we were barely sleeping as it was, <laughs> you know? No, I hear you. I, I, I kind of knew the answer to that before I asked it. I was just, <laughs> I was just yeah. Uh, the second question is you mentioned the kind of the working together with high level players as a, or being coached or quote unquote mentored by them. Yeah. If you could name one thing that helped you the most through those sessions and playing with those top level players, what helped you the most raise your game? Uh, so I can remember a couple particular scenarios, but I would say the the one that impacted me the most was uh, memorizing what my opponent's draw was going to be at the start of their next hand after the shuffle. So uh, I forget what uh, what he referred to it as. He, he had he literally gave it a specific name. I think it's something known in like professional like card gaming, maybe poker or something. I don't even know what it was called. But he was like, dude, he's like, when I'm in tournament, I will literally snapshot my opponent's last hand before the draw. And he's like, and I'll know what three of their, you know, like the four cards are. And he's like, and that was a, that was a huge advantage. And uh, so I don't do that. I'm not that serious where like I'm snapshotting things and trying to like, you know, I'm, I'm not that sweaty, <laughs> but uh, it, it stuck with me of like, I really need to understand what's coming up for my opponent in order to to properly play, uh, you know, properly play this game. And I can remember after receiving that coaching, uh, you know, seeing something where, uh, I was getting very close to being struck out. Like the, uh, you know, both health totals were coming really low and they had a card in star realms where if you had a base, it would be the equivalent of a champion. If you had a base in play, it would up its damage. But that base that I had, I could intentionally sacrifice, right? So I did that, got rid of it. They got me down to one. And then uh, I came through the next hand and, and took the game after. And I remember reaching out to my coach at the time. I was like, dude, it worked. <laughs> I was like, I was watching. I knew what was coming. I scrapped it out and I stayed away from lethal and took a game. And I was like over the moon, you know? But it's like those little moments where it's, it's like stuff you know to do. But when you're when you're working with someone who's at a high level, like, you don't waste their time. You're like, okay, I got to implement this. I got to do something with it. And I was being real consistent. And it came through. I was like, dude, this is great. You know, <laughs> it was like really, really exciting. <laughs> great stuff. And this is a perfect point to plug our mentor program on the discord. This is the type of experience you'll get 
people who help you, you'll learn things and it almost instantly affects your game. And I want to say, if you, you don't have to be one of the best players to be a mentor. Um, people of all different levels from completely brand new knows almost nothing to the game to, you know, the very best players of the game. They can all use a mentor at times. I know myself, I talk to other top level players about learning some of the stuff that I'm not as good at. I know I've talked with jig about it a number of times, especially with like wizard play. Um, and Adam has some really good tips that I've caught listening to the podcast or whatever on wizards. Cause both of you are very good wizard players and that's one of my weaker spots. So, um, we can all use a mentor and for that program to work, we need more mentors. So, yeah. And even good players can be learners too. I mean, Adam just talked about starting this after he won legend. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> right. So usually you would think, well, this is what you do before you get legend. Not necessarily the case, you know, it's lifelong learning and you can always get better. And you, the more people you play and the different play lines and strategies and perspectives you see, you realize a, how beautiful of a game engine this is both in star realms and hero realms and B how many different great players and ways of playing it there are, uh, that exists. So it's a really, and talking to people is a really good way to do that. Yeah. The, the diversity I was just wanted to comment the diversity that you get uh, when you work with different coaches. You you really really understand what a play style is because when you're playing with a, a high level player, uh, and then you know getting coaching say for like a couple weeks or a couple months or whatever the time frame might be, and then you start working with someone else, you're like, oh my goodness! Like you see the different perspectives really come out and how different ways of playing can still be effective. And I've said it before, uh, you know, on the Realms Rising podcast, but I was just like, I didn't think this was possible in a game structured this way but you you it really shines when you start working with some mentors you can you can see it in action <laughs> and even if it's a a less formal thing than the the uh mentor program through the discord just if you see other players that you see often and they're beating you often i know in star realms the people that i i met like at a convention and this and that i'd talk with them and then once i started playing with people online more the people that were beating me i'd find out who they were i'd reach out to them and i'd i'd get their opinion on what i did or this or that and that i mean even in an informal setting it's that's a great thing to do definitely yeah all right well let's bring this back a little bit to the original conversation and hear a little bit about adam's interest with hero realms and maybe the differences or why you've gravitated more towards this after playing star realms and then how that transferred or transferred into you starting the podcast starting the website starting the discord walk us through the next stage of your story sure sure yeah so uh i knew of hero realms and i had played it uh you know a number of times uh in physical uh you know before digital was here but uh, it's, it was the digital accessibility that, that really uh, turned me on to the to the game, right? And I knew very early on because I had played, I've actually played, I think, in three Hero Realms Legends tournaments before. Uh, and I strike out like every single time I was striking out. And uh, I, I found that to be really interesting because I was like, man, like I know I can play Star Realms at a competitive level. And I know this game engine is pretty similar, right? But when I actually stepped up to the plate with people who are serious about competing, 
I couldn't put it together. <laughs> so uh, Hero Realms comes out, we get the alpha, I get the microphone, and then I'm like, well, I got to start talking about it. And then like, right in my pilot episode, I was like, guys, like, I don't know how to, I really don't know how to play this game well. Like, I'm learning along with you, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, after getting the podcast squared away, getting like, the, you know, the the format down and, and putting all of that stuff together, I mean, I just started playing and just talking about what I was thinking. And I've always told people, like, don't listen to me. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like maybe I'm at a point now where I feel fairly confident in the advice I could give. But early on, it was just like, you know, I'm here trying to like talk to people who are actually good at this game. Right. So that's why I started <laughs> chasing all the legends, uh, you know, of Hero Realms down because I was like, how did you guys win those tournaments? Like I was sitting there playing with you. I was like, you guys smashed me, right? So I put a call out and I just started booking the top level players that I knew or other content creators from Star Realm so I could, you know, have some of these, uh, you know, these early conversations. And and really in the beginning, the podcast was just as much for me as it was for any any listener, you know? Like I was sitting there taking notes and learning and implementing based on, you know, the stuff we were talking about. Uh so yeah, I got the the podcast up and running and it really was a love affair. I mean, it like I just I really enjoyed having a place to connect with people after, you know, coming out of the whole COVID era of everything being so locked down and not seeing people like those like times where I'd sit down just like this hanging out with my buddies was like the best. I was like, man, this is fun, you know. So it really gave me that sense of connection and I hope that it shined through, you know, for for the listeners and for other people and that it could be something I build a community around. And so like, that was really my contribution as I had this idea, I had a vision, I started putting the podcast out and I knew people I was networked because of Star Realm. So it was easy for me to go and, you know, grab a bunch of early conversations, right. Um, and then I just started streaming because I always wanted to, I was just like, this is something I've always wanted to do. And let's go give it a shot. And, uh, and that's where I met some, some of our you know, early community members who become, you know, insanely large contributors to this community, right? Uh, so I podcasted, I had the conversations, I started streaming, and I started meeting people like S Freak or like Zabuza, right? Uh, there was Back Alley Llama. I mean, there's like, uh, so many names that I, I, I literally could sit here and just start talking about all the people who've helped or contributed in some way. Like I have a list of special thanks that's on the Realms Rising website. And like, that's the list is still not long enough. Like, pe- like people are missing and the community just started to grow around. Like I gave, you know, the podcast and the stream gave, you know, people a place to centralize. And then it kind of just started to do its own thing. People, Hey, I want to do this. And I just be like, all right, go do it. And someone's like, Oh, I want to write, you know, this article. I'm like, write it up. We'll, we'll launch it here. But I just kind of started to be, uh, you know, the, the manager or the coordinator, just trying to, you know, connect the right people and, and get the dots together. And, uh, now we're seeing other streams that are popping up and those are starting to, you know, gain some traction. We've now got Sparks and Recreation, which I'm stoked about. Thank you guys. <laughs> right. Got another avenue here popping up. So I'm, I'm really just happy to see the realms rising grow beyond me because with anything that I create, it's always the idea that this thing should be able to run even if I'm not here. Right. Like I want to start something that that ends up uh, gaining a foothold in the community and then, then it can run itself. And that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. And I'm, I'm stoked to see it. (laughs) Mission accomplished for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, (laughs) just the amount of interaction and activity and the amount of events and, um, just all of the talk and discussion happening around is really incredible. And, uh, it's thanks to your vision really. And, uh, thanks for, from, myself as someone who enjoys this 
community so much. Big thank you, Adam. Yeah. Really. Mean yeah. It. No, I mean to me it's a, it's a big thank you to everyone else who's who's creating stuff now. It was it was a lot of work early on. I like I I I mean this honestly, I spent more time doing community development than actually playing the game for like the first like couple months, you know. There's like a lot of time of like trying to explain the vision here, get this set up, do my editing, book a guest, do this thing, you know, it's like moving moving a whole lot of pieces. And uh when you guys reached out and said, "Hey, we're, you know, we're thinking of starting this podcast." I was like, Oh man, I was like, maybe I can backseat for a little bit, man. I can enjoy this community rather than try and grow it, you know. So I'm, I'm just so thankful for all the other people who are contributing because it, it makes the experience worthwhile for me, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, and I can, I can say, I know how you feel because since we've started this, my amount of play games played has gone way down. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, we're we're getting it to about the point now where where i feel like okay we're kind of know what we're doing with stuff and it, it'll start coming back up here so. it will it will yeah. it'll speed up and there's two of you that's awesome <laughs> yeah it does help yeah but yeah the amount of hero realms time has sharply decreased and the amount of time in google sheets and documents and audio editing applications has sharply increased <laughs> yep so, that's yeah, the so. creation process though yeah exactly it's, it's been yeah. a lot of fun though it's, it's right back at you guys. Like, thank you for doing it, you know, because like pe- you don't realize until you start doing it, even if it's just trying to do like a weekly or like twice a week stream, like content creation takes time. Like it really does. Yeah. <laughs> it takes more than you'd imagine. Totally yeah. <laughs> well, luckily we had a really good, I, I want to say template or model to, to kind of fall, follow after. And we do things a little bit differently. We have different things set up, but you'll obviously notice some similarities as well. And, uh, it's mostly homage to you, but it's also really helpful to have that uh, pioneer who kind of blazes the trail and makes it much easier for people to follow in its path. So, yeah. Right. That, and that's what you've done. All right. So uh, kind of continuing here, um, let's shift away from Hero Realms for a second, Adam, if you don't mind. Sure. And maybe you can talk a little bit about your um, business that you do or other endeavors that you're in taking and also possibly what any plans or ideas you have for the future. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So at a, at a personal scale, right. Just to give people context about me. So uh, I've been married about like eight years or so. I live in the Northeast United States and it was here. I had a career for about 11 years straight working in enterprise uh, hardware and software sales. So like to really large companies um, uh, could be anything like a, uh, Raytheon or, uh, an AMD, or we worked with like Chuck E. Cheese. We had like literally thousands and thousands of clients all over the country. Uh, so I worked, um, doing that for, for a real long time and really cut my teeth on, you know, business and understanding all aspects of it. Cause I worked in almost every division of that company at some level and then ended up coordinating with my director of sales and CEO, basically constantly, like every day they, like, they were my team, you know, um, so got into, you know, the high level of, uh, you know, how to manage a business. And uh, I also, during that time, you know, the, you know, 11 or so years that I was there was uh, just always digging into books about uh, being an entrepreneur or starting a business because I always had visions of kind of kicking my own thing off. Um, and so, I mean, I must have read 12, 15, 20, I, I don't even know, I mean, c- countless numbers of books and even just biographies of other successful, uh, like business leaders and what like their whole backstories were. I just did a lot of reading <laughs> in that time frame, um, and uh, must have been right around twenty. What was it? Twenty eighteen. 
no, 2019. It was when, uh, when, when my, my business that I'm in right now, uh, actually formed up. It was actually a former coworker, uh, of mine. He was on my team. I managed him for a couple years. He left, uh, and then worked creating, uh, uh, products and creating brands and retailing those on Amazon. And, uh, he told me about the business and told me about some of the challenges he was having. And a lot of those challenges, I was like, Hey man, I think I can, you know, add a lot of, uh, you know, value in this. Do you want to do something together? So it was August, 2019, we started, uh, started our business and kicked it off. And now we've got a, uh, a whole line of products that are on Amazon that we are, we're retailing. And, uh, with the pandemic and everything else, uh, people stopped going, uh, you know, into physical stores and started buying on online. And we specialized in home and household products, which people were around the house a whole lot more. <laughs> it uh, it kind of jump started our business and uh, you know rolled a few more in the the coming years. We had one that was a real big success and uh, was able to start doing this full time, uh, which was an amazing transition. Also really uh like frightening in its own way like my mind sitting there be like this is a bad idea don't do this there's a lot of risk you're stable you're good you know and it's like when you've got 11 years like in a company you kind of get into what i call like the velvet rut where you're like uh Mm -hmm. like i'm comfy like this is working out like i'm making good money i've got flexibility i've got respect why would you leave this you know and uh yeah that whole like month before i was deciding that i was actually gonna leave my mind was just screaming at me and i was like shut up I was like, I'm not listening to you. I'm like, I'm doing this. I've always wanted to do this. I've been reading about it for 10 years. I'm like, if I don't do this now, when am I going to do this? You know? And uh, it's funny. It was one of those times when uh, <laughs> we were about to have our second child. Uh, and uh, my wife <laughs> was like, oh, like, why don't you wait to start a business until, you know, until the other one, you know, our second one's here. And I was just like, no, nah, man, I can't. I can't wait. I can't do that. <laughs> and I literally started and formed the entire business. I completely invested. Open credit cards got ready and I didn't say a thing to her. It was one of those moments <laughs> where I was like, it's better to, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness than ask for permission because I know what she's going to say. And I was like, I'm naysaying myself enough. I was like, no. Nah. And I just went for it. <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> you are a brave, brave man. Yeah. <laughs> It's the thing, man. Risk got <laughs> multiple levels for sure. Yeah. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot, but uh, we had to go for it. And so, yeah, that's been a ride. And um, and recently, you know, it's a business. There's like all sorts of challenges. We have working with Amazon is completely crazy. It's a you know, it's a wild landscape to be in. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're we're in the middle of our own uh, our own storm, uh, if you will, right now, trying to you know sort that stuff out. But it just kind of comes with the territory. You get comfortable being uncomfortable, man. <laughs> you know. What is the biggest lesson you've learned with birthing your own business as well? Oh wow! So you know this this is the kind of thing that I, it kind of depends on who I'm talking to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> what is it that you you want to know, right? Because I would say that the the biggest thing is is you have to be willing to learn new things absolutely every single day, and you have to get enough of it right to be effective. But you can't get it so right that you get stuck, right? So what do they call it? It's like the 80% rule or something. If I can get an 80% on this new task that I'm doing, it's enough and then keep moving. Because uh, if if you get caught in the details, you're gonna, you're never going to get anywhere, right? And then if you just get hung up and you run out of motivation to learn something new, you're going to stall out there too. So it's basically just always be learning like constantly just like, all right, what's this new task? What do I got to do? And being ready to go tackle that, you know? 
<laughs> Great advice. Yeah, the jack of all trades, or as my wife calls me, the jackass of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the rest of the, uh, you know, other, there's so much to say about running a business. And that's why I say it depends on who you talk to, right? Because it depends on the nature of their business as well, mm -hmm. right? Like in, in the Amazon game, at least, uh, there's a whole like network uh, of really talented contractors who are out there. So you can outsource a lot of your work, but you have to have a clear enough vision of like what you want and be willing to take a gamble on paying for someone's services, you know, because there's no guarantee you're going to get back like what you want. But when you can learn to outsource effectively, you can, uh, you can get a lot done, but you can that outsourcing doesn't mean letting go of responsibility. And that's, what's different. You know what I mean? Like I am ultimately responsible for anything that happens. And you, there's this fine balance, you know, <laughs> it's a fine balance. Yeah. Great lessons. <laughs> Interesting to hear about all of that. I mean, like we've heard, we've heard you talking about hero realms a bunch on, on realms rising. We've interacted with you a bunch. We've both been guests on your podcast, all of that. And so I feel like I know you fairly well, but I knew next to nothing about like your business. I, I knew you did stuff on Amazon and all of that, but like, I didn't, I didn't know it that much. So it's interesting to hear. That's cool. Thanks for asking. It's fun to share. <laughs> I could do a whole series on business, man. <laughs> we could, but uh, as we have learned from our previous examples, we tried to keep these podcasts into nice edible sizes, Adam. So we won't let, we won't let that part of the conversation go too long here. Uh, but for sure, kind of winding into the final segment of our interview with here, I think this would be a good time for you to maybe share any ideas you have for your future projects or ideas or things you have brewing at the moment is there anything you can share with us yeah yeah so uh right now uh i'm working on uh some content creation specifically around swinging uh indian clubs so i had mentioned this on a previous podcast but one of my favorite ways uh to work out and to move uh, is to take a pair of what is like three pound uh, like wooden clubs and they almost kind of look like bowling pins uh, and you swing them around yourself basically like a madman. It, it looks pretty wild when okay. you're doing really, uh, really intense swinging. Now you can do really like basic type movements as you learn, and you get coordinated, right? Um, but this is a type of exercise that's not like entirely fatiguing because I've done a, a lot of things, uh, you know, physically in my life. Like I can like walk a tight rope. I've done a hundred mile bike ride. I've climbed a 9,000 foot mountain. I've like done triathlons. I've been all over the, you know, the scope of like physical movement, but nothing really hooked me the way swinging a club did, uh, because it leaves me feeling more energetic than when I started. Whereas most other mode, you know, ways in which I was moving, uh, would like fatigue me or I'd be depleted. This is actually energizing for me. And I was like, man, this is, this is really fun. So, uh, as a way to connect with my own dad, uh, I bought him a set of clubs and I said, Hey, like you want to get together like once a week and I'll like show you how to swing these things. Right. Uh, and he was like, all right, you know, it was like something to do. Right. Uh, so me and my dad have been getting together, which has been a really cool way to connect. Cause he lives like two hours away from me. So I don't get to see him like that much, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. and so I've been teaching him for a number of months now and I've really enjoyed the process of, you know, showing him how it works. And, you know, he's like 65 plus he'll be coming on 70 pretty soon. And like, you know, he can keep up and it, it challenges both, uh, you know, your physical capacity in terms of like, uh, balance and proprioception, right. Knowing where your body is in space, because as you swing these things around, you don't want to be hitting yourself in the head or in the legs or anything like that. Right. So you have to focus, you have to breathe and stay relaxed. 
and then you have to balance. And so for our aging population, this is actually a really, really great way to do something that's not going to fatigue you. It's not going to leave you feeling drained, yet it's going to improve your physical capabilities on a whole bunch of different levels. Uh, so right now I'm in the in taking what I've learned from teaching my dad. I'm making like a, an intro to swinging clubs, uh, you know, set of uh, courses or whatever that I'm going to then uh, market online. And my first market that I'm going to go for is for uh, our age groups of basically like 50 to 80 years old, because I feel like there's a lot of benefit there. And it's basic enough that uh, I, you know, trust myself to not give bad advice, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to put that together and see if I can make something out of it. Because like I kind of mentioned earlier, like content creation takes time, like it really does to, to put something out that's something that's quality. So uh I'm going to be, uh, you know, taking a backseat from my podcast for a while uh, to the work on doing video editing and content creation for this and see if I can get something running and hopefully then kind of branch it out into into something larger and maybe make one, you know, for gamers or something like that. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, I, I just feel like it it serves my mission generally of doing something that benefits people, you know, that I can be honest about and upfront about in terms of like marketing and everything like that. And um, so just trying to figure out how we how we put all that together. But that, that's what's coming up next for me. So super interesting. <laughs> and do you have a name for this um, for these clubs that you're going to st start working with? Yeah, have you thought of any names? Uh, so the, the practice itself is called like Indian clubs or like, you know, uh, club swinging. Um, but, uh, the, I'm, it's going to be like a fit over 50 program, something like that, like along those lines that I'm going to, that I'm going to put together. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a, a general movement practice. Right. And it's, uh, it's interesting is it's a different angle because a lot of what we see right now in terms of like the fitness industry is always like, you know, get more lean, like lose fat or like do this thing or like get super jacked and stuff like that. And this is like, nah, man, like let's move for the love of moving. Let's move because we can, you know? Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to try and stick with my, like, uh, my general ethos of having honest marketing, because you can really get lost in the, the loudest voice that's out there trying to grab your attention right now. So how I, how I penetrate with authenticity is actually going to be something of a challenge for me. something I'm looking forward to, you know, definitely. Yeah. And depending on how you phrase the, um, the product that, that you're going to, you're going to market here, swinging clubs for over 50 could bring you some interesting cross traffic as well in Google searches. Yeah. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to be delicate. I can give people a, uh, you're a professional swinger <laughs> certification afterwards, you know, <laughs> uh, I totally, when, when you first mentioned Indian swinging clubs, I was like, what? <laughs> it made a lot more sense as you started yeah, talking, yeah. but that's where my mind good went. good feedback man thanks for market testing at, me, you guys at the end of your <laughs> videos you could sign off with congratulations you're a swinger <laughs> yeah <laughs> just an idea that's a free one adam if you want to use that that's completely free i'll just, i'll give that one to you, you guys are great i'm gonna hire you guys soon <laughs> <laughs> so i do have a question for you you said you were you're gonna kind of be taking a back seat with realms rising stuff i know you're not gonna completely leave and not say anything to anybody like kind of what's your plan with this i know we've talked a little bit about it um between the three of us but like what's 
What do you want to share with the community about this? Yeah, so I mean, community-wise, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just planning to like sit on the sofa and enjoy playing games when I want to play them and have conversations with people when I want to have them <laughs> and like uh-huh. enjoy all the community, uh, you know, run tournaments and everything like that. Like right now, uh, I'm not grinding the queue at all. I literally have no games in uh, in random queue. It's like it's all just the uh, you know the tournament games that I'm playing, and I'm enjoying that like so much because I'm not like trying to do anything with the game right um right so for for me my general plan is i, I want to play in all uh, all the tournaments i'll like you know grind a queue or whatever if i want to um i have someone that i've been uh, serving as a mentor for and i love doing that like i love to teach so i'm gonna like keep that going and so like i'll be generally participating but for at least i want to say two months three months it, it kind of depends I, like i'm just going to be focusing on some some other projects with more of my free time right because uh like mm-hmm. i said in running my business i've been able to you know free up time to work on passion projects and realms rising has been that for such a long period of time uh like i mean relatively long right <laughs> but uh, uh i'm just going to be you know putting my my time and energy into uh into some other projects see if i can develop a couple other uh income streams so Good deal. Awesome stuff, man. Uh, well, we've had a really interesting discussion with you here. Um, got to know you even better than, than we did before. Learned some different aspects about you, and I hope it was really good. And uh, wish you luck with your upcoming endeavors. I, for one, can attest that you are very active in the uh, tournament scene. I'm getting my ass kicked by you in uh, two different ma- – well, one you already <laughs> finished, and the other one uh, is ongoing right. right now. So Adam is doing very well. Playing uh, online digital, guys. I don't think you have to worry about about him fading out from that scene. <laughs> uh, thanks again for everything you've done, Adam. Really, uh, none of this would be here. We wouldn't be here without yes. the work that you've done. And uh, we hope Sparks and Rec can kind of, you know, I don't want to say carry the torch, but at least keep the room lit, uh, keep the lights on for a little while while uh, you enjoy doing other stuff, my friend. Right, so right. thanks again for everything you've done. And thanks for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you, guys, man. It's, it's awesome to uh, to be here on Sparks and Rec. <laughs> All right, great. Well, up next, we are going to head into our recurring segment, State of the Meta. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Okay, welcome to the popular recurring segment state of the meta in this episode's edition we are going to take a look at the health cap Uh, this has been the focus of lots of discussion ever since it was implemented i think about three weeks ago Uh, as we record this it's um the first week of april uh 2022 and the health cap change has basically set the starting uh, health amounts of each hero as the hard cap, meaning you cannot heal above that, your starting health. And this was done in an effort to kind of reduce the length of the games and rein in some of the kind of runaway healing that was happening with especially clerics and uh, thieves. All right, uh, It has obviously changed the game a lot, but maybe not as much as many people thought it would. I think myself included. So, Tim, let's take a look at the health cap here. And going into it, I was unsure about it. 
I was sure that we needed to do something about the cleric and thief runaway healing. I just wasn't sure that this was the answer. I have to say, three weeks into it, I think it's the answer. <laughs> I think it's like <laughs> it's been working almost perfectly. And it's had some other kind of unexpected effects for me, too, in terms of balancing, balancing things out. Um, but, and we'll get into that as we go through. But what are your thoughts about the health cap? So it has worked out about like I thought it was going to. I when they announced it, I I had said, you know, I don't think it's going to affect things as much as people think. Um there's still a whole lot of healing in the game. And I don't know that it that the health cap fixes everything, it definitely helps. Mm-hmm. And they said it was a two-week experiment, and it's been about three, three and a half weeks or so now. I don't know that it's going anywhere. I think it's here to stay. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Um, I also, you know, I didn't think it was going to have a huge effect aside from the cleric and thieves stuff. However, I admit that I was worried, especially about the wizard, as I usually am. Because um, a lot of the wizard strategy I was playing for previously counted on getting a lot of early healing and buffing up your health a little bit Mm -hmm. so you could get a cushion for some of the incoming damage and survive a little bit longer. So I was really worried about that. However, uh, and this is just for the wizard's uh, condition that I'll say this, but the ceiling, the health ceiling, has actually helped the wizard much more than hurt it. And the reason I think is mainly because the wizard can um, easily or more easily target, keep people in kill kill zone target range if they can't mm-hmm. run away their, their health. So if everyone's at, you know, 60, 50 health, wizard, once they get their deck running, can kill you in two turns, sometimes even one turn if you get, if you get yeah. really nasty. So just keeping people within the kill zone has really helped the wizard. Uh, the wizard still dies early sometimes, especially uh-huh. in uh, uh, fighter and ranger matchups, but they can win those too. And mm-hmm. um, so I was pleasantly, I mean, surprised that uh, it actually helped the wizard more than hurt it because I didn't see that coming, and, and I admit that. But um, it definitely um, did kneecap the cleric. Um, I think the cleric has actually been hurt the most by the um by the health gap now i I don't think that it's in a uh helpless situation or worthless uh, situation you can still do well and you can still win matchups with the cleric but the long game quote-unquote strategy of the cleric and building Uh up a a huge amount of health and just whittling down your opponent or taking it to fatigue is those that strategy has largely been diminished so i think if i had to rank it i'd say the Cleric got hurt the most. Um, mm-hmm. The thief still does all right. Uh, we've seen yeah. some really strong thief players do very well with it. I, I would say, other than when they're facing the cleric, it hasn't changed a ton for the thief. Like in the other matchups, at, le- at least in my experience, um, the thief feels about the same. Like you're you're not banking as much health in some of that. It has changed a little bit for sure. Hmm. Yep, but. But overall, the matchups feel fairly similar for the Thief. Uh, it's, and I would definitely agree. It's definitely affected the Cleric the most. But honestly, how stuff was before 
this, the cleric was kind of running away with stuff. Yeah, getting up to four or five hundred health is, is a little ridiculous. And, and, and at least in my opinion, the idea of I'm going to just heal all game and outlast my opponent. And then when fatigue hits, I'll be the last one to survive. So I'm going to win. Like, that's not really what the game's about, in my opinion. Like, you're supposed to win by getting your opponent to zero. Yeah. Or less health. Well, I, I think though, some the really good cleric players could do that though. I mean, they could basically right, right. you basically had unlimited time, not unlimited, but a, a long time to get your engine ready. And if you got a couple sacrifice cards and a couple discards, and you have enough time, you are going to be able to construct a deck that will just destroy your opponent. And now that time limit has been severely cut. So the cleric doesn't have as much time as they did before to get those engines together. Uh, but you're right. The the fatigue strategy was definitely prevalent. I'm not saying it wasn't there, but not all clerics um, did that, even in previously. But it's changed the way that they do things. Um, all this... Oh, going back to the thief really quick. The thief has been okay. However, I noticed after the health cap, I continued using my um, five healing... Um, skill. Uh, the name is escaping me right now. Distracted Exchange. D-E, that's right. Distracted Exchange. And I uh, saw huge decreases in my win rates for all my Thief builds that were using this. Once I switched to Lift, which is 7 heal, though, uh, the, heal, the win rates bumped back up again. So I think the Thief kind of really needs that 7 healing. However, I also think 7 healing might just be still a tad too much. This goes for the Cleric, too. Um, if you have a repeatable ability where, and with the Thief, you can basically use it every turn of the game easily. That's a massive amount of damage you're canceling out each game. And I think it might be a little too much. Again, this is just going from my uh, instinct, and this is just my opinion. Um, Tim, what do you think about this? My thief that has distracted exchange is still doing just fine. Hmm. Uh, some of that may be play style. I don't think lift is absolutely necessary. And in some some matchups, having the the distracted exchange or misdirection is better. Um, I don't know that they're all as equally viable as they were before, but I don't. And maybe it's a play style difference, mm -hmm. but I I don't feel like I'm getting burned down as quick as a thief a lot of the time. Uh, I'm especially talking healing. at the higher levels. You see a lot of fighters and rangers. And mm -hmm. I think that's, and it could just be, I'm not the greatest thief player either. So um, it could be play style. It could be my skill level, but I do much better with the seven healing versus fighters and rangers mm -hmm. than I than I do with without it. So again, that's just my own experience and right. thief and thief and fighter are my two least played classes out of, out of the five. So I'm okay. not, I'm not, a, I'm definitely, I mean, I've got lots of games with them, but I'm not, I wouldn't say they're my most proficient class. Yeah. All right. So if we had to, if I had to give a quick um, snapshot ranking of the classes right now at this stage in the meta with the help cap in early April, 2022, I would probably put uh, thief and ranger in the top tier. Uh, next, I would put fighter 
and wizard. Uh, and probably cleric on the bottom for me. Really? Yeah. So I, I think I'd agree with you that uh, ranger and thief probably top tier. Then I would probably go cleric, hmm. fighter, wizard. Interesting. And, and the bottom three are fairly close, I would say. Yes. And that's, a, I'm glad you said that because overall, I think the uh, difference from the toppest, <laughs> the toppest of the top <laughs> to the bottomest of the bottom uh, has shrunk quite a bit. So we're, it's not as huge mm-hmm. of a um, power gap between the top and the bottom. Um, the reason, and again, this is from my experience. Uh, I also had, uh, I was doing very well with the clerics before the health cap. After the health cap, I didn't really adjust my style or builds and I haven't been able to mm-hmm. do as well. Uh, I have started going more with the, uh, steel bless and mm-hmm. a different play strategy. And I've been winning more with it. So you, I've realized with adjusting that you can do it. And the cleric is still good. I'm not saying it's the weakest. Right. I just... I think the cleric has a real difficult time against the wizard. I also think mm-hmm. the um, cleric can have a difficult time against the ranger and thief too, especially now I'm playing really good players all the time. So this could also be coloring right. my perception. But when I look at this ranking, I look at it as matchups. All right. And I think mm-hmm. an interesting way to do this. And I was just, I was talking with Alex about this the other day on discord. If you're going to set up or try to rank things, the way I do it is if I could only choose one class to play one game that I didn't know what my opponent was going to play, what class mm-hmm. would I choose if my life depended yep. on it? All right. And I would choose, for me, I would choose Ranger just because that's probably okay. my highest. Although Fighter, I actually have a higher win percentage, but the Fighter gets destroyed by Cleric usually. So there's a chance yep. that if you pick Fighter, you're, you could be in trouble. So I'd choose Ranger personally. I know there's players who can play Thief in any matchup and not really be at a disadvantage. So I think Thief is another mm-hmm. one that's a good first choice here. I, I, I would say I'd pick Thief. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and I agree. F- followed by Ranger. Those would be my top two. I, I don't think they have really bad matchups, those two. Exactly. And that's how I'm kind of ranking this. Next, okay, with those two gone, who do you choose next? You can't choose Ranger. You can't choose Thief. You can only choose one of the remaining three, and you must win your next match. You don't know who you're going to fight against. Oh, that's tough. I think I I think I would pick Cleric. Yeah. Just, just because I know as as a fighter, if it's a Cleric, it's an auto. It's almost guaranteed an auto loss. Even now, with all the changes, it's nearly impossible i've st- i've gotten beaten uh, but my cleric actually got beaten by a fighter recently uh a top level it, one so it, it, it happens yeah but i i get what you're saying yeah i'm just saying it's might be a little less worse than it was before but not by much i would see here i would probably choose wizard but that's probably because that's my most proficient class uh-huh. and i can if you're lucky you can survive a uh, ranger um mm-hmm. and you need a little bit less luck to survive a fighter, but you still need a little bit luck to fight to survive those classes. Cleric, you can do quite well. I, I think that's really the big difference. The 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 first two, the ranger and thief that we listed, don't really have a, a really bad matchup. Mm-hmm. Like maybe some are worse than others, but like there's nothing that I'm like, I'm going to be less than 50% on this. Like yep. I, I got a good chance. Of, I got at least even odds to win pretty much any matchup. 
the other three classes, I think each have a class that like, you're going to have a bad matchup. That's going to be not necessarily impossible, but could be really hard. And you're going to have to get lucky. to win. Yeah. And I think for the wizard, that's ranger and, uh, and fighter. fighter too. Yeah. And thief is a kind of a separate topic. Cause it, a lot with the thief depends on the skill of the player and the market row and the smooth heist and how that goes down. But, um, right, right. Yeah. Anyway, it's kind of an interesting way to think about how to rank things, and that's kind of how I did it this time. All right. Uh, last thing uh, that we'll talk about in this section, State of the Meta. What do you think needs to be fixed? I already mentioned the health. I think needs to be reined in just a little bit. I agree. I also think the fighter kit still is a little too one-dimensional for my liking. I'd like to see mm-hmm. the other, especially the expendabilities, done uh, differently. To make it a more make it more viable, um, the wizard. You know, I love to complain about the wizard and try to help <laughs> it out, but it's the wizard's in a pretty good spot. I mean, it still dies quickly to some matchups and some bad luck. You could we could try to give it some more money or to give it another spell components do, or something. I don't know. Do you think having a little bit higher starting health as the wizard would? would make a pretty big difference that would help um so so if it if it got a five hit point bump to start off or something i think that'd be a good place to start just to see how because i don't want to mess with the economy i think we did that earlier and we saw i think especially at the mid lower levels it could the wizard can start to run away with things and it's just a lot of money um a little extra health couldn't hurt you know I, i i think it's really close with the wizard but it's still just a little brittle. Um, anyways, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought too much about how to do it because things are may or may not change again. Who knows, too? Yeah. Um, who, who knows how it's going to go? How about you, Tim? What well, Anything else you think needs to be fixed at this state? So, so I definitely agree with you on the healing. Could be toned down a little bit and still be just fine. Uh, we've talked about the fighter and wizard and stuff quite a lot. and And I agree. The fighter... You can tone down some of the damage that the fighter does without buying anything and give them either some cycling or a little bit of healing or a little bit of a con- something else to make up for that damage, to make them survive a longer game that would really help that, that would help with that cleric matchup, that would also help with the wizard matchup against the fighter. Like I feel like doing something like that with the fighter would really help balance things out. Um, I don't know the best, best way to do it. I have my own ideas and all of that, but you know, they could be complete nonsense. Yeah. But, uh, and at, at this stage in the game, and this leads to the next and kind of last idea for this segment, I think we're getting pretty close to the public release. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it's like a hundred percent there. Maybe it is, it could be, but I think we're getting pretty close. I doubt we're going to see any massive balance changes to the kids. I think they're pretty happy with how things are. And I have to say I am, I mean, we can complain about stuff like the fighter and the wizard and, and and they're actually pretty small complaints. Now the fighter can win most matchups. You have to do it in a certain way. It happens very quickly. That's just how it works. And I think they're just going to live with that, you know, as they go forward. Yeah. Well, and, and a, a good player will know how to, play against that and give them the best chance to, you know, to survive and win that game. But, uh, 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think uh, we're getting pretty close to how it's going to be. I don't, I don't think they're going to make any major changes. And as much as I would like to see some stuff, like I know they're also focused on, hey, we're going to increase the level cap. We're going to add more hero classes, and that's just going to change everything too. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think they're kind of thinking that it's pretty close. Uh, as long as we we make it so that it's fairly even, some of the classes have a really bad matchup. Some of them don't, but like overall, you know, it's all right. And I and I can say playing a fighter, I win like sixty five to seventy percent of my games, roughly. Yeah, me too. It's just when it's yeah, it's just that cleric one that makes up like twenty five percent of those losses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. It's yeah. in it's in a good place, and I still lose to uh, wizards and rangers and thieves mm-hmm. as well as the fighter. But I also beat a lot of them. Oh yeah. Um, but that's yeah. just the kind of style you have to you have to be really aggro and really quick with the fighter. And if it works, you win. And if it doesn't, you you die a horrible death. And that's just kind of how the yep. fighter, um, yep, worked out. And that's fine. And we have more classes to look forward to in the future. It's going to add whole you know whole new balancing and meta changes that we don't foresee yet. So. You know, the more I think about it, the more I think, even if we don't get too much more changed from now until release, maybe that's not such a bad thing. I, I think it's in a pretty good state. As much as there's parts that I would like to see changed, I think overall the game's pretty healthy how it is right now with the health cap and everything. Yeah, I think so too. And I don't think we're going to get him to change back the order, the process order on the bows and the knives and stuff, which is, you know, at this point, I'm used I, to it. I, I would really like to see them give us the option to discard cards and not have to play them. Though. Yeah, maybe end of turn. Now, maybe stuff like that will be added to, I, I'm sure we'll see some finishing mm-hmm. touches added to the UI and the app before the release. Maybe that's one of them. So, Wise Wizards, if you're listening, end turn now. I, I, I think that's, button, I think please. it's highly likely we see that. Yeah. Please. It's in Star great. Realms. I I don't I don't see them being like, oh no, we're not ever going to do that. I I think it's yeah definitely possible. We'll see how it goes. It's going to be fun though. I think we're inching closer to the finish line in terms of release and lots of more fun times ahead in store. And that basically wraps up our snapshot of the meta. got skills to pay the bills so now we have our hero class focus for a skill or ability and this week we are going to talk about the wizard's explosive fireball matt since you are mr wizard himself in my opinion uh why don't you describe the explosive fireball Wait, wasn't Mr. Wizard like a guy who did science experiments on PBS a long time ago? Absolutely. And I was hoping you weren't going to catch that. So he he messed stuff up and whatever or something. I do have a cardigan. So maybe I can put that on for future segments and just go as Mr. Wizard. Okay. So yeah, explosive fireball. Uh, we, We only have five minutes set aside for this. I could at least talk for double that just on this one fireball, but I'll try to keep it short. and sweet. Tell us what it does. It is a big fireball that rains down from the sky, does five damage to all opponent champions and the player as well. And 
it also takes a look at the opponent hand and forces them to discard any champions with five guard or less. And perhaps, maybe not most importantly, but very importantly, is any champions currently in the market row become unbuyable by the opponent on their following turn. This means that if you time things well and there are nothing but champions in the market and you burn your fireball, on your next turn, your opponent will not be able to buy anything except fire gems. A well-placed firebomb in this matter, even without any champions to stun, can change the course of a game. And it's one of the reasons why I really love uh, the explosive fireball. So I remember playing way earlier on and I didn't realize that it locked you out of the row because I hadn't played much wizard and somebody used that against me. And once I realized it did that, I was like flabbergasted. Like this ability is so good. And honestly, I don't see why you would pick any other fireball. Honestly. Yeah. You should in my opinion. (laughs) And we'll talk about Um, other fireballs in a future episode, but basically they don't compare. Yeah, they really don't. So you said uh, one really good use is to lock your opponent. When when it's all champions in the market row, you can lock them out from buying those. I will say there are some exceptions. Um, Right now, the smooth heist bypasses it. I think that's a bug that they're working on fixing. It is. Joel said so. These these silent boots will let you do it. And I think with the way the cards read, I think silent boots is supposed to, that shouldn't be affected because it looks at the top of the market deck and the fireball keeps you from buying from the market. I take it to read that. Um, when, once you drop that fireball, you shouldn't be able to buy anything from that market, whether it's the top card on the deck or anything that's out there or any champions. But again, I'm a wizard proponent. So of course I would, appeal for the strongest version of it. Um, the fireball, while Tim is looking at the exact wording on this, is also really good for catching your opponent's hand with a bunch of uh, champions in it. Often you can um, infer or just straight up know with perfect knowledge what your opponent has in their hand. And if they have one or two champions at five or less cost, guess what? They're getting fireballed and they're going to have to discard and their next turn is going to suck. This is another good thing to do uh, with the fireball. Now, what this means when you are piloting the wizard is that you really need to pay close attention every turn, not just on what you can buy from the market, but what is the market comprised of? And if it's all champions, you should really consider about dropping the uh, fireball, especially if your opponent could have a lot, a big amount of economy on their next turn. Also, if they have champions in hand and you can get them discarded before they even hit the table, another, even if there's no champions out and you use your fireball and you can make them discard those champions, it's even more valuable than um, blasting them once they come into play. Cause they don't even get to see play. You get to make discard them before they even see uh, daylight. So Look at look for these things when you're piloting the wizard, and you'll have lots of good opportunities to drop that fireball. So, so I am seeing the explosive fireball does say that they can't acquire champion cards from the market. 
on their next turn. I I re, I remember looking at the rules one time because uh, I had used the smooth heist. I didn't realize that that was a fireball that my opponent used, and they were really surprised that I could get some champions from the row with it. But okay, and then but the boots the boots must say top deck of the or top card of the market deck. Yes. I believe that's what I couldn't find it online, but I believe that's what it says. Cause I looked stuff up and when that happened to see like, Hey, what's going on. And when I looked at the rules for the game, it talks like the market row is called the market. The market deck is labeled differently in the rules. So the way that it's worded yeah. right now they may change a ruling on this, but you know, rules is written sort of rules like the silent boots would allow you to buy that card that you reveal. Right. Cause it does say, it says reveal the top card of the market deck. Yes. It doesn't say market, but what's the difference between market and maybe the market is just those five cards. Yes. Then? Yes. I don't know. Anyways, we'll need clarification at, at best. Cause it's still a little ambiguous, but anyway, this is all connected to the fireball and, it affects how powerful it actually is. But Okay, hopefully this was a good overview of one of my favorite abilities, the Explosive Fireball. And here we find ourselves at the final segment of this week's episode, the community roundup. Here I'm just going to give a quick overview of the different results and other information about things that are happening in community-run events at the moment. By the way, I'm recording this segment on April 14th, so by the time you hear it, some of the information will be outdated. First, let's jump into the Tavern Brawl. We just finished up our eighth week of this marathon event, and although we've had some delays due to uh, game updates and uh, some other things, uh, a few other speed bumps, we have been chugging along. Everybody's doing a great job uh, with their matches, and we have just amassed a ton of data on the scoreboard. Uh, remember to check out the scoreboard for really detailed information and things like uh, character matchup breakdowns, character statistics, match history, etc. There's tons of good stuff, so check out the scoreboard. Here in the roundup, though, I will just go over the top three teams in the band standings. After eight weeks, the Heroes of the Damned sit in first place with a 6-2 and two record and 26 set wins. Following close behind is Diamond Double Dubs and his Decepticons, also with a 6-2 and two record and 24 set wins. Rounding out third place are the Street Thugs at 5-3 with 22 set wins. It's a really tight race. We're seeing lots of great matchups every week, and it's been a lot of fun. The player rankings are also rounding out to be very interesting. In the top 10, we have three fighters, four rangers, two clerics, and one wizard. No thieves are actually in the top 10. The number one performing player so far in the Tavern Brawl is the Brawl Master himself, Noodle Tupe, at 19 wins and 5 losses. Just an incredible performance by him so far. Close behind him are Dekatz's Meow 
Angelus, Birdlaw, and Darklighter. All four of those players are 17 and 7. Rounding out the top 10 are Straleo, Jaywana, Corey Bear 88, Double Dubs, and Joe Boo. Again, you can find all of this information on the scoreboard, so check it out if you haven't looked at it recently. Moving on to the next event, we have the Hero Realms premiere circuit that is going on right now. This has been going on uh, for quite a while now, I think at least uh, probably two or three weeks, and we've seen a lot of really great matches so far, and we're nearing the end of event number two. Uh, just to give you a quick breakdown of the event, the starting characters, the total number of participants who signed up for this, there's 43 rangers, 41 wizards, 37 clerics, 36 fighters, and 40 thieves. That's a ton of <laughs> heroes that signed up for this event. Uh, we made it through all the way up to the finals as of today, April 14th. The top eight or the final eight remaining players in this event were the Katz's Meow Thief and Roser's Wizard, the only wizard to make it to the top eight. Myself as a ranger, Noodle Tupe as a thief, Rolimpa as a thief, the Katz's Meow again as another character, this time the ranger. We also had Birdlaw's Fighter and Zembu. The top four players were Dekatz's Meow, Ranger, and Thief. He had two characters making it to the top four, Birdlaw and Zembu. Advancing to the finals, we have Dekatz's Meow, Thief, versus Birdlaw's Fighter, which is about to begin as of the time of this recording. Zembu faced off against Dekatz's Ranger for the third place match, and Zembu won that. So congratulations to Zembu for taking third place with your fighter. The HRPC is a great event. Uh, it's run by Darklighter, and Astarlia also does a lot of work helping with it. Check this out as well. You can find details on the Discord. Uh, and there's a link for it as well on the uh, Tavern Brawl scoreboard. So check it out. Moving right along. The next event I'll talk about is the King of the Castle ongoing event that's running in the background of all of these fun things. It's a level 12 event where the king of the castle must try to defend it from oncoming challengers and hold it for as long as they can. Our current king of the castle is, surprise, surprise, the cat's meow, making another appearance in the community roundup. He is currently sitting at eight challenges for his reign on the throne of this castle. We are having a hard time unseating him. Uh, as of right now, Game Freak 701 is challenging and trying to do his best to unseat him. So we'll see how that uh, streak goes. The Katz's Meow streak of eight challenges is also now the longest reign. The next event I'd like to talk about is the Hero Realms Highlander Series Lost Village Tournament. This is... The second event in the uh, Highlander series run by Agent C13. And the basic premise behind Highlander is once you win with a character in your best of five matchup, you cannot use that character again. So effectively, you have to win with three different classes to defeat your opponent. It's a really fun event. Right now, it is still ongoing. Uh, 
Some players are playing at different speeds. We actually have one player already who's made it to the top four, and that would be our own Diamond Double Dubs, who has advanced to the final four. Uh, we also have uh, Noodle Tupet, the Cats' Meow, and Ruck Rucksack, who have made it to the top eight. The rest of the uh, brackets are still filling out, and uh, I assume that this will be progressing along pretty quickly in the next few days or so. So be sure to check out the uh, challenge page for details on the Highlander series. Okay, and then to finish off the community roundup this week, I am just going to give a quick shout out to the new event called Joust, which is set to begin uh, Thursday, U.S. time, April 14th. Uh, so by the time you hear this, it will be up and running. And this is a really interesting event where we have different class-specific tournaments that feed into a group stage and then a final duel to determine the Joust champion. All right, details for this event are also on the Discord. Check it out if you're interested. I hope to be running this one maybe twice a year, perhaps even three times a year, if, uh, depending on how quickly it goes, but we'll see. Should be a fun event to try out. Okay, and that wraps up the Community Roundup. This has been Tim, Agent C13. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you all have a good week. And this is your other co-host, Matthew Chickmalinkba-Rooks, reminding you to stay calm and channel. And if you enjoyed the podcast, remember to leave a five-star rating, like us, subscribe to us, tell your friends about us, get the word out, and help us allow this podcast of ours to reach as big of an audience as it can. Thanks, everybody. Be sure to tune in next week, April 25th, for a very special interview episode with the one, the only, Darwin Castle. You made it to the end of the show. Congratulations, you're a nerd. Tune into the next episode of Sparks and Recreation for more on community events, meta analysis, and everything Hero Realms.